Hello and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, a podcast that pops up the hood of the greatest football management simulator of all time, sucks the air through its teeth and says, what happens if I unscrew that? Last week we spoke to Miles Jacobson, studio director, and he was typically awesome. If you haven't listened already, make sure you do. That was a wider discussion on the game itself. This week, we're talking about the new stuff on FM21, and we welcome Features producer Stephen Davidson into the studio. A virtual studio, that is. Hello, Stephen. Hi, Ian. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get straight into this. Your job is basically providing an annual answer to the question, why should I spend 40 quid on this one when I actually still quite like the old one? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a question we we concern ourselves with a lot in the studio. We spend a lot of time talking about it. When it comes to FM twenty one, what are the key reasons? What what marks this out as a great leap forward? So we've done a ton of work in um, extraordinarily complicated situation really this year. There are lots of headline features that we'll we can dig into. Um, among them changes to uh, our interaction system, the way the match flows, um, both before, during and after. We've looked at how condition and fitness is, is treated in, in the real world and tried to reflect that in game. And we've we've dug really deep into statistics and analysis, including um, expected goals, which is something the fans have been asking for for years. I think we'll have a lot to talk about on those. Um, I mean, credit to your coders for getting the new calendar in with seasons starting in sort of September and all over the place. That must have been an unmitigated nightmare to sort out. But let's start with this match day experience. Speaking as someone who once travelled the length and breadth of this fine nation, watching football for a living, I love the team sheets. Yes. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of team sheets. I love the way they're slightly off centre on the page. There's something about it. I always loved them when I was a journalist because it just sort of made it real, like the game you're at was an event. And I absolutely love it on this. But there's so much more to it, isn't there? What, what else has changed? Like you say, we've changed a ton. Um, we really went back to the drawing board on Matt, on matches and tried to um, think about everything that happens before, during and after a game in modern football. Um, So we talked to people in the game, we looked at broadcast, we looked at analysis, and we tried to pull all of those separate strands together to give our players the tools they would need to make smart decisions. So we've looked at the flow, that's across the whole week leading up to during and after a match. We've tried to better reproduce that feeling of being at the, on the sidelines, you know, on the touchline, in your dugout, with different voices coming from behind you, telling you, giving you suggestions on things to change. Um, we've looked at broadcast um, media around football and how what football looks like on television these days and tried to update our user interface and the graphics and, and transitions you see in the game so that it, it feels more familiar and it's all with a, a goal of, of escape. You know, we want our users to, to feel like they're in the game. It's really happening. I speak as someone who absolutely loathes VAR, but the way it's <laughs> replicated here with the referee running off to look at the screen on the side or the graphics coming through is 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 really very, very cute indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And we it's all it's that attention to detail, right, Miles? We'll we'll say it till till he's blue in the face, but we need to get all of those tiny pieces to right and in combination they contribute to uh the whole that is a living, breathing football world. So all those nice little bits, you know, there's so much going on under the hood. Our match team have spent just so much time researching, updating stuff, considering whether we need to add new things. We've looked into all of our statistics and analysis and really redefined every stat that we use in game and added more um, to help the analytical side of things feel deeper and truer to 
to kind of cutting edge analysis. And there's a new level of body language now and the, the way that you talk uh, to the players and, and to everyone has, has changed. And I really want to join what I'd imagine is a very long list of people thanking you for the newfound power to throw water bottles around. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's suggestions that come up when we're designing football manager that make people laugh. And I personally always take that as a really good sign because it's that like unbridled pleasure. The anticipation in the room was palpable when someone suggested that be a thing. <laughs> you all laugh and go, but could we actually do that? And then, you know, the designers just get excited and, and everyone starts to kind of run with those ideas. So it's such a subtle thing, I think. The gestures system, which throwing a water bottle at someone. Well, I mean, I mean the changes we've made there. Uh, throwing water bottle is obviously one of those gestures we've added. But on the surface of it, we we took the old tone system, which let you um, add an adverb if you like to um, to the way you were interacting. We looked at our, our user data and stuff, and we felt that people weren't it wasn't engaging people in the way that we wanted it to. So we kind of stepped back a bit, and we ended up after an awful lot of debate and, and discussion and argument sometimes on this idea of gestures. And I really think those having specific things that you can picture yourself doing really does a great piece of work to situate you in that interaction. And so the idea that you throw the water bottle, or you cross your arms or you point at someone, you just start to imagine that scene a little bit more. And then that's where we bring in the 3D uh, environments that all the artists have spent months making. And it just locates you in these moments and situations, locations in football uh, that, that we're trying to simulate. The power, I think, of gestures is, is one that comes across as you play it and you start to see people's reactions as well. We have live responses, um, which was a kind of a new thing. So that like just like real life, I say something, I look at your face and you look sad <laughs> or happy based <laughs> on what I've said. And I start to learn a bit about you and your personality. There is a lovely feeling when when you say don't get complacent or anything like that. When you see that sort of flood of green going around the room yeah. as everyone's motivated, that that's really nice. But how does it actually work? If if I'm you know two 0 down at half time, I throw a water bottle. What effect does that have on the on the players? So uh, just like real life, it's personal. We obviously track you know hundreds of data points on every person in our research and and in the game. And so depending on the person's attributes that kind of combines to, to create their personality in game so some people will respond to that kind of behavior that kind of very direct sort of rallying quite um forceful and aggressive behavior and other people will will go oh this is really turning me off i don't want to this is adding more pressure onto an already pressured situation in the scenario you describe so what's the um, best way to to distinguish between those two if you're you're like me you've just taken over a new team is mm -hmm. it just a case of sort of finding out as you go along who reacts well and and who doesn't yeah absolutely just like real life we wanted people to get a sense that they had to learn the personalities in their squad um and that's where that um reaction visibility system came came from because all too often previously we've given users tons of control but We've not been super consistent about showing them what's happened when they've pulled a lever or pushed a button. And so we wanted to um, give immediate feedback straight away. There's also, we've added summaries to the end of many of the interactions now so that you get a breakdown of what happened over that sort of branching narrative you just participated in so that you can see, you know, whose morale's changed, who who was inspired, who wasn't. Um, and then you start to learn the characters in your in your team, just like you would if you'd taken over a football club. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've just taken over Stoke, starting unemployed, just in case you're interested. They mm -hmm. barely won a game. And 
and having the pre sort of the the welcome meeting with the players was really interesting because the way their names are on the screen makes it feel like they're assembled in front of you. And John Obi McKell was incredibly supportive. I've, I've never <laughs> really been the biggest fan of him, but he's got a special place in my heart now. I- influential player as well. That seems like a, a real kind of tweak to the immersion level of what was already a very immersive game. Absolutely. And Miles will beat the immersion drum all day, all year. So when we are designing and when we're talking about improvements to existing systems or revamping things it's always got to have that you know one eye on on is this improving things for immersion and for the user and we felt like interaction wasn't sort of singing as well as it could do it took a long time to get to where we are and it took there's so much you know there's new systems there's tons of sorting the code out under the hood and the team have spent hours and hours and days and days getting things ready for these new systems to to work as well as they can and this i would point out this is also year one of that process you know we'll be adding tons more content we added an awful lot of new content and have tried to better surface existing content that though it was there you might not have seen much so that this is these are conversations and and journalists asking questions and players coming to you with different things so we're we're absolutely planning to keep continue topping that up to really expand that world you know we are a choose your own adventure in some ways in interaction and um we want that those adventures to be exciting and varied and interesting just like real life it's a commitment we're we're kind of making there to to keep going on down that interaction journey fantastic right quick message this show is made by the athletic You've heard of The Athletic. They have all the football journalists. Now, if you've ever complained about clickbait or lazy journalism or too much Big Six coverage, you need a subscription to The Athletic uh, because it's brilliant. And if you subscribe with a promo code, theathletic.com forward slash FMPod, you get it for a quid a week. It's a quid a week for the best football journalism on the planet. Is that not enough? You want more? How about this? How about the ability to listen to podcasts like the Totally Football Show with no ads? None. Not one. For a quid a week. So type in theathletic.com forward slash fmpod and subscribe now. And do remember the fmpod bit because the more of those we get, the more episodes like this we can make. Stephen, as we record this, I am, as I say, just mere hours into my first save, but the biggest most meaningful change i've found so far is the way that player fitness and condition is is recorded and this has knocked me a bit because i used to be pretty militant i won't start anyone if they're under 92 percent and if someone drops into the low 70s high 60s they're getting hooked and if the other team's got someone in the 60s then i'm pressing pause and figuring out how i can exploit that can i get people to run at them and really have them blowing out their bum it's all gone it's now all gone and it's just a sort of simple graphical representation of whether or not they're they're fresh or tired in varying degrees. Now, as I say, at first it was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure about this. But actually, I'm really coming around to it because in real life, you wouldn't know that the opposing left back is 83% fit, would you? Yeah, absolutely. That's And that's completely where this came from. There are moments when we are making football manager that you're in meetings and someone floats something and you walk out and you're walking. I mean, we were walking to the office, now we're all at home, but you think, are we really going to do this? You know, there's a responsibility when you're working on, on a title like, like FM to, um, you know, respect the past and, and the, the kind of iconic elements of the game and not, not sort of throw them away lightly. And condition and fitness, those percentages were something that you know were kind of iconic 
and you're not alone in having these these kind of personal rules about sort of trigger conditions for when you would substitute people or select people at all we went into this you know knowing it was a it was kind of a brave and and potentially contentious thing to do but we spoke to tons of people in football we're super fortunate to have loads of access and people want to come and talk to us and see how we make the game often that this would come up as it's a sort of unrealistic right no no sports scientist no analyst no manager has a sense of player a is at 92 percent and player player b is at 91 percent you know or if they do it's sort of an arbitrary scale that's been laid on the top of, of much more ambiguous information and so we started to toy with the idea of stepping back which is not something we do often right we're usually going more and more into detail but pulling back a little bit and trying to better reproduce the conversations and the information that's floating around in in the game and yeah we've we've landed on this kind of more graphical system the game is full of language too so it's an opportunity for us to try to present information visually uh, and just as it is in real life, we often will try to pair the the technique that we broadcast information through in the game to what actually happens in real life. And so it's an idea, a sense that you would look at look at a human being and try to consider the factors that make up their condition, you know, their fatigue, their match fitness, their their sort of general condition around, you know, whether they can run about for 90 minutes on a on a pitch, how much they've done that recently, how much they've been training, all those factors combined to to create this condition score or well, not score, crucially, this <laughs> condition visual. So let's let's talk about the the realities of it. If you've got a player, he started off with a nice big green heart and you've watched it kind of drop into a light orange heart then a dark orange heart. What happens to the player on the pitch? What's the effect? First off, I would say trust your eyes. Look at what they're doing. But I would also, you know, with all these things, we're trying to recreate reality. So they're going to make decisions that bit slower. They're going to run that bit slower. They're not going to uh, respond in a way that you would expect them to respond if they were at excellent peak condition. I'm very hesitant to tell you, you know, what's going on <laughs> under the hood because I don't want to give it away. You know, the, the point here is it's suspending your disbelief and enjoying what's supposed to be... Uh, the experience of being a real football manager. So the match I've just played right before we've spoken, um, Stoke against Sheffield Wednesday, they've got Dominic Iortha and his, his little heart is, is draining away, so to speak. What am I looking for there? Is he going to start misplacing passes? Is he going to kind of switch off? Is it going to be easier to sort of move the ball around him without intercepting? Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah. As, as well as lots of other stuff going on, you um, those performances will start to be impacted by you know the sort of fuel in the in the tank if you use a use a metaphor yeah you'll start to see those little mistakes come in those half fractions of a second be added on to things that they'd have been able to do fast uh, faster uh, earlier on in the match so for example um if you've got a winger yeah, James McLean, for example, fitness starting to drain. He'll find it harder to beat a man. He might need sort of an extra half second to get across in that kind of thing. Absolutely. Our aim here, our agenda is to reproduce what's going on in real life. So you earlier said uh, you want to see players blowing out their bum. We've all had that experience watching a football match. You, you look at a player and go, he's done. And so that's what we're aiming at. Um, and we, we start to shave things off those calculations and, and kind of number rolls and things going on under the hood those are all affected by the condition um, and much sharpness and everything else. What also affects the condition is, I think I'm right in saying, the tactics that you're playing as well. So if you've done what I believe the majority of players did for the last version of the game and selected Gegenpress, 
mm-hmm. then you're going to find a team that's probably running out of energy by about the hour mark. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's where, you know, you need to consider your, your training as well. You, if you train a team in a in particular way um, at the start of the season and they're, you know, in a position to, to take that training on board, then you'll have, you'll be starting to create a team that's able to perform on the field in the way that the manner that you are expecting. So yeah, the gag and press obviously is, is very demanding. Um, and so you need athletic players who are able to sustain that, those high levels of performance for a long period of time. If you don't have those players and you try to, to play that system in real life, you would start to see, you know, the wheels coming off. Uh, and you can't do that instantly, can you? You, you know, again, to go back to the, the Stoke job I've, I've just taken, um, just telling them to do gag and press on its own isn't going to work. Um, what's the sort of wider pattern of behavior you need to, you need to do to make that work? Ah, yeah, great question. I would definitely say look at look at your training and look at your team instructions. Um, I would also say look at the types of players you have because ultimately those attributes and characteristics on the on the pitch will dictate your success or failure. Definitely be looking at conditioning training. Definitely, well, or physical training, or you know, there's there's tons of areas there that you can use to try to improve improve the team. You also need to commit to to tactics. You know, you need to let your team. Uh, develop tactical familiarities as they need to in real life. You can't switch from from week to week and expect players to know what they're doing across all of the scenarios and situations that are going to develop across 90 minutes. Brilliant. When we come back, we'll be discussing the AI that turns this innocent video game into the bastard son of Prozone and Skynet. We'll be right back. I'm Faker Others, and I'm here to tell you about the next big thing. Well, actually, this lot are here to tell you all about the next big thing. I think he can go straight to the top, and I think the ceiling with him is so high. I do think he's going to be an England international at some point. He's He really is that good. The question is, do you loan them out or do you keep them in-house? People within Arsenal are really, really rooting for this guy. The next big thing is here to tell you about the future stars of the global stage, the next headline makers at your club, and give you all the information you need to know so you can impress your mates down the pub. You know, when we're all allowed back anyway. Until then, subscribe to The Next Big Thing so you can be ahead of the game. A bit like the footballers we're talking about, really. That's The Next Big Thing from The Athletic, available now on all podcasting platforms or get it ad-free via The Athletic app. Welcome back, Stephen. Let's talk AI. Um, and let, let's break it down a bit because it, it's been a work in progress for a while. Back in the old days, you have, you know, a 0102 game very close to my heart. And it wasn't easy. And I have documented proof of that. But if you got the right sort of formation and the right sort of players, you could pretty much ride that horse into an eternity of trophy guzzling, couldn't you? And you can't now because the AI watches and learns. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, though that was often very fun, we felt it was sort of quite uh, superficial if you like and we were trying we've tried to address that every year um, and so we make sure that our AI is observing what you're doing on the field and if that's having success um, then they'll start to try to come up with ways to to counter that um, they'll try to identify the weak points in your team and and um, expose them so yeah there's tons of tons of really fun kind of chess going on where you know you'll you'll lay out your table and 
that might work for a bit and then people will respond to it and then you'll need to come up with something else or you know have some tricks up your sleeve in terms of subtle changes to an existing tactic the last time i spoke to you i was really struggling with i think it was fm 17 and um, you, you took me out for a drink. You're very nice and very patient. And you talked me through it all. And, and this is something that I've noticed. It, it, it does tend to upset people as well, because you can get into a position of winning, you know, 10 games on the spin. And then it starts to kind of fall away and you start to lose games you would have won before. And a lot of people are kind of, you know, because you see them on Twitter, they're going, oh, my God, this game's fixed. It won't let me win the title. Yeah. And, and, and you just want to. You, you want to pull them close and, and just stroke their head for a bit, calm them down and just say, no, no, real football. It wouldn't happen in real football. Look at the number of teams that outperform expectations for you know, a period of time and then suddenly it, it all catches up. Um, with the analysis that you've got in the new game, what, mm-hmm. what would you say are the, the easiest ways to kind of find out what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong and what, what you need to start adjusting? I would definitely be paying attention to the uh, analytical and statistical information that you are fed back in the game. In FM21, you will really notice the difference if you have an analyst or if you don't. Um, I'm someone that likes to manage in the lower leagues where clubs often won't have an analyst when you take over. But um, the amount of information and the quality of information you are presented as a player, as a manager, is determined by the presence of, of those staff members and also their ability you know, you'll get faster and better information if you have those top level top level analysts working for you. There's a lovely uh, little detail that sort of existed before, but we've tried to highlight it a bit more in FM21 around the start of a game. You know, you, you see the team sheets, you, you get a sense of, of what the opposition are going to do and uh, the game kicks off. And if you um, use the in-game tablet visuals that we, we've, we've put into to try to simulate the sense of an analyst sitting behind you or your or your assistant, uh, and you navigate to the opposition's tactic, you'll see that for the first sort of 10, 20 minutes of the game, there's a kind of a dash on that on that formation, and uh, as time passes, that dash starts to be populated with information from your backroom staff watching the game on the roles uh, that they believe the opposition are playing which will then help you in your kind of live chess match uh, to to counter, right? So if I know that they're playing a certain type of, of, of system, I can I can take steps to to kind of negate that and, and get what I want. One of the things that I think is always one of the golden questions is is how quickly can your team adapt to a new tactic? Let's say you're, you're in a game and you're playing a team that's just sort of happily pinging the ball among themselves in their own half, clearly happy to sort of, eke out time and just keep possession and you think right well we really need we need to push up we need to uh, increase the pressing get pressing higher up the pitch um, but you haven't specifically trained for that you've you've trained to play your own way of football if you make those changes in mid-game how quickly will your players adapt and what's that adaption determined by so the adaptation you know trickles out quite quickly once you've made the, the instruction changes um in in the user interface the ability f- for your players to perform to a high level doing that is is dictated by a, a bunch of different things uh, not least tactical familiarity right i would always encourage you to have you know some tricks up your sleeve that you're training beforehand don't don't um, if you're trying to kind of wing it and respond live you're likely to get found out because your players have never played these positions or roles before there's definitely something about uh, playing to your strengths 
very simplistically, don't ask your short, fast striker to try and, and play as a target man, for example, because it, he's going to find that harder than someone who's got the physical attributes. So you need to be paying attention there too. Training the, up that tactical familiarity, I think, is super important. Having smart, adaptable players is super important. Those are players who are going to be able to um, perform to a high standard early on. So that's players with good teamwork stats. Yeah, decisions. All I mean, it's never one stat, right? This is such an important thing to to broadcast. I can't point you at the we'll be able to adapt to to, to the tactic quickly stat because <laughs> it's always a combination of multiple stats, right? I'm sorry, Ian. There's no magic key. God damn it. I know. I know that's what you all you only want every time we <laughs> that's, speak. That's pretty much the only reason we're making this show. It's just I to know. help. <laughs> so would it be a good idea, therefore, for, for managers to to prepare three very different tactics uh, to give you sort of better breadth of options? Or is it wiser to keep to sort of different versions? You know, you might have a 4-3-3 that sits back and retains possession, um, one that pushes forward and takes more risks and sort of prepare variants on a theme. Or, or can you get away with having three completely different things? So just like real life. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's I'm right. Sorry. But, it, you know, consider the quality of teams you're playing. Consider the styles of football that they play. You know, you can go and look around the other teams in your competitions um, and consider how they're playing. You can look at their players. Um, you can scout players. You can you can pay attention to the information we are feeding you pre-match and in, in kind of um, your opposition's, your backroom staff's kind of tactical suggestions. Um, I personally tend to have a couple of relatively similar formations that I can switch between based on the opposition's formation. And then I, I, I experiment often with my third one. But I should caveat this whole conversation with the fact that I'm not very good at football manager. <laughs> so um, which which for me is 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 pleasure, right? I enjoy I enjoy failure to an extent in, in the game. I, I sort of like that constant challenge. But I would say I would say it really depends. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, that's fine. It it really depends is a good answer. Um, and I think I think that's going to be a recurring theme through this series. Uh, speaking of which, as the series unfolds, we will be examining every component of the game, every section, everything like training and recruitment. We'll be breaking them down with the people who literally make them. Um, but we're also here for what's troubling you. If you've got a problem, if even Sir Alex Ferguson himself couldn't solve it, ask us. Email me. Uh, the email address is imacintosh at theathletic.com that's macintosh like the computer m-a-c-i-n-t-o-s-h email us we'll do our best to answer Stephen we haven't got much time left but there's things that I wanted to quickly sneak in that I particularly enjoyed from the from the new game uh, recruitment meetings tell me about them Miles loved the recruitment meetings and it kind of sparked out of um, it's sort of an insight to development actually we, we started developing a different feature that I won't talk about because it, it may appear one day in the future but um in the end, we decided to kind of park it, but there's an element of it that Miles loved and really wanted to hold on to, um, which was this this idea of a recruitment meeting. So if you've if you've ever watched a film like Moneyball or um, you know read books about about how how teams are put together, you'll be able to imagine that that scenario in a room with lots of names on boards around the around the place. We started to think about this idea of how how squads are built. Uh, Nick Madden, who is our match producer avid Celtic supporter and he was talking about information coming out of Celtic maybe two years ago um, around how they were identifying targets for the future and um, you know what steps they were taking to 
to kind of address those increasingly pressing concerns you know do we need a new left back what are the circumstances that that we need this person to to kind of come in and, and succeed in and so um the recruitment meeting takes a, an existing system um, which was those scouting meetings that that uh, were quite prominent last year and starts to play with really it ties back to interaction it's, it's sort of an implied interaction though it's not picking lines of text but it's you sitting with the key members of the recruitment team in your club starting to look at what areas of the club do we need to think about for the future so it's again it's a look at real life it's a look at what goes on in football clubs all over the world and it, it tries to put you uh the person playing football manager into that into those situations and and accurately simulate what goes on all right just time for a quick one on uh, new gens um mm. which a, a lot of people yeah people play this game so differently and there are a lot of people who don't ever really get past sort of two or three seasons because yeah they're, they're like new challenges and trying out new leagues and that's fine but the deeper you get in the more new gens come through and things happen to them that wouldn't happen to real life players yeah that's totally true for me it's it's often each year i'll do a save where i'll soak the game for you know a few years i'll go on holiday for a couple of years and then come back in and, and take over a club where there's you know the odd person still hanging around from from the year that the game came out but the the football landscape looks quite different and i do that to, to engage in, with the the new gens um who are i should i should point this out kind of newly generated people within football so we obviously have to be quite careful around what happens to people who exist in real life in our game um i think everyone's seen the andros townsend's girlfriend sees a screenshot from football manager and thinks it's real um meme that goes around on the internet where he'd missed training and was fined i think and his girlfriend <laughs> what's that whatsapped him and asked what he was doing so so we have to be kind of cautious about what we say we can be much more creative with our new gens so what what are some of the things that can happen to new gens sure i mean there's, there's a lot more kind of light-hearted fun stuff um and some things that actually i would say slightly maybe um show our our heritage if you like so there's there's quite a lot about players going out on the lash <laughs> um <laughs> you know which you used to see a lot more of uh, but but in the last 20 years it's it's become less frequent let's say but you can have um you know players can be hung over there's codes that affect their motivation and condition um they can miss matches they can miss training they can go continuously awol and go and play golf for a long time yeah there's tons of fun stuff that starts to uh bubble up to the surface the longer you play the game now, one of the things that Miles said in the first episode was that you can actually just get better at this game by reading good stuff about football. And I think that's completely true in terms of, you know, getting ideas for how to build your empire and uh, getting ideas on, on how to break teams down. Just just reading good stuff helps. I completely agree. And this feature is in no way a naked appeal for free books from publishers. Uh, the, the email again is imacintosh at theathletic.com. Um, here's one to kick us off. We're going to talk about a book every episode. Um, at the end of the storm, it's the story of Liverpool's title win, as told uh, by my colleagues at The Athletic. It's interviews, it's features, it's stuff behind the scenes. It's James Pierce and Simon Hughes and Ollie Kay. It is the perfect accompaniment to any kind of empire building. It is the kind of thing that in days long gone by, I would I'd read a book like this and 
barely be able to get through two chapters without booting up um, the, the game and trying to replicate it myself. It is out now on Backpage Press, and they are the lovely people who published Football Manager Stole My Life. So I will always love them. Check them out. They've got loads of good stuff. Stephen, if you had to recommend a good real-life football book to help with Football Manager, what would you go for? I would actually recommend a book um, called Kaiser, The Greatest Footballer Never to Play Football. Um, ah. by Rob Smythe Smith yes um, I'm a bit of a romantic about football so <laughs> I often enjoy stories about you know the the kind of edge case players or, or personalities that appeared in the game and uh, this is is a great great story about um, a guy who sort of eked out a career as a professional footballer with without playing a whole lot of professional football um, and it, it takes in multiple continents and it's kind of an adventure. So I enjoyed that one recently. Perfect. There you go. Keep your eyes out for that. Stephen, that's all that we've got time for today. We will be back next Thursday as we start unpacking FM21 properly. We've got a whole new episode devoted to starting the game. Who are you? What are you? What are you trying to do? Why does it all make a difference? Because all of that is absolutely crucial to your save. Uh, if you've enjoyed this show and you want to ensure that there's loads more, the best thing you can do is subscribe to The Athletic with the promo code forward slash FMPod. The next best thing is to subscribe to the podcast. And the next best thing after that is just tell people about it. I mean, that that always really helps. This has been the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. I've been talking to Stephen Davidson. Your producer has been Cornelius Mendes. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>